0: Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Month Podcast, coming to you live, practically live, from high above the Mellow Mushroom here in downtown Metropolitan Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, in
1: Studio friendly,
0: B, if somewhat confused, hope. B. Yes, in Studio B, so I've been told. Yeah. <laughs> you leave for a month, and suddenly you get demoted to yeah. Studio B. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm your I'm your host Nate Larkin here with. Uh, Newton Dominey uh, who's what? Uh, b- 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 what is your title? You, you I don't, I don't have one. Really? Yeah. Well, but because my
2: name is Newton, I've also <laughs> never had <laughs> yeah a deckhand. I prefer <laughs> that's a diff- that's a different cabin boy. Different kind boy. of counseling session. <laughs> cabin boy. Cabin boy. I don't work. No, no.
0: bosun, first mate. first mate. I don't. First okay. mate. First, first mate. mate. Sure. Okay.
3: okay. First mate.
0: All right. <laughs> And we got the navigator Mondo Grimes and joining us from uh the left coast, the Commodore Aaron Porter. Yo ho! Yo. And uh this is good. It's been some time since all four of us were together on a single broadcast yeah. of the Pirate Monk Podcast.
4: Yep. So, so how's your tan lines? Tan lines. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Nate doesn't have tan lines. Yeah. Well
4: that's what I'm <laughs> talking about. Nice. <Right. laughs>
3: uh,
0: oh golly, it's terrible. That's and disturbing. I was very close to South Beach, but yes, no tan lines. All right. Uh yeah, Allie and I had a <laughs> Allie and I had a great month away. Uh a week's it started with a week's vacation in Amelia Island. Oh. Which a great old historic town north of Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Within shouting distance of our good friend uh, Bo, uh, Mo, Mo Leverett. Uh, but unfortunately was not able to connect with him. By the way, he's got a song we got to hear. Uh, anyway, a week there at Amelia Island, then on to Orlando for a week, the land of the rat, where I, d- I spoke at a great conference. Loved the Manhood 3.0 conference mm-hmm. in Orlando. Did that with Pete Alwinson oh,
3: yeah.
0: and Harvey Kirkpatrick. And uh, what a terrific time there. And then uh, down to South Florida, where Allie and I spent that that part of our life we still refer to as the Exile, 16 years in South Florida. But you know, it's amazing when you go back healed up some. We got to connect with so many uh, old friends while we were down there. And then this was, the, to me, the most touching part. I tend to write off those years. I spent those years in South Florida in active addiction. When I look at them, I see nothing but darkness, a complete waste, you know, just this, you know, 16 years of of chaos and darkness. Uh, I can't tell you how special it was to spend time with young people who sought us out, the contemporaries of my children, uh, who whose lives now they now tell us were deeply impacted by, you know, this quasi-parental role that we played. And to me, it was such a reminder of God's grace because I know how bad I was. The fact that God still used somebody as messed up as I was at that time to do redemptive work uh, in the lives of people who now want to come back and say thank you. Uh, That was just empowering, isn't it? Yeah, and humbling. And uh, we wound up really having, you know, there is, because I was so insane down there, I tend to get this feeling of dread that starts to build in the pit of my stomach whenever I approach South Florida. (laughs) Right? And, uh, you know, this time, uh, that was dispelled very quickly. And then I got to spend a great time, by the way, with Marcos Ruiz and the guys uh, at Grenada Presbyterian Church in Miami. I was so privileged to be uh, the speaker this year in the Elector series. And uh, yeah, they 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 roasted a pig, a couple of guys uh, less than a year. Away, uh, here here for less than a year from Cuba did it the old traditional way. I mean, it was on a it was on like this steel mesh platform suspended from tree limbs with chains and then they built a fire under it and then they swung it back and forth they never let it i guess to keep it from being burned yeah. for hours and hours and hours they swung this this pig about 12 inches above the coals
4: that sounds like a lot of annual meetings at baptist
0: churches <laughs> Well, except this definitely wasn't Baptist because there was wine, beer, and cigars.
4: And the pastor wasn't on the grill. Ah! was yes.
0: back and forth for hours and, and hours, hours, hours slowly and roasting. Hours, yeah. yeah. What, a, what a wonderful, wonderful. And that was, a, that, was a, that was a co-ed meeting. And so Allie got to interact with wives and uh, just a sweet, sweet time. And it Great. was good to see Allie uh, gain strength over the course of the trip. Good. Cool. So anyway, uh, missed you, kind of. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> kind of. But, but, it, but it's good to be back, and uh, good to know that the podcast did not suffer in my absence. I don't know if it did not suffer, but we had it. We had
5: it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was cool, man. It was good. Yeah. We have like four episodes
0: without you. I think you did, yeah. I mean, I did two, and I know I missed a couple, so. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, what What's up with you, Aaron, uh, that the well, we, listeners have yeah. not yet Are you, Do you of?
2: still have stuff in your driveway?
0: Well,
4: no, because it rained oh. yesterday. So we rushed. Uh, it was actually moved mostly from the driveway to the backyard because Jenny was very embarrassed. And we had that whole yard sale incident last week where everyone thought it was our yard sale. And they bothered us all day. So, yeah, we had to rush. Uh, we're getting cleaned up. We are not fully moved in. But it's weird because I'm back in the town that I grew up in.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, with the kids at an age where they're able to ride around and we're close enough, you know, 10-minute ride to the little lake where there's a zoo. And its I am having weird... Feelings about that. Good ones, though. But uh, I took the kids down. It finally rained here. And the Salinas River right behind the house I grew up in, Steinbeck's River, for those of you that say, that rings a bell. Uh, We're at the beginning of the Salinas. It empties in Monterey. I took the kids down there on a warm day to the big, uh, big area of the river, and they just swam. And I sat in a lawn chair and read. And there's something good about taking your kids down to the river you used to swim in as a kid. Yeah. It's been it's been very cool. Been very interesting. Uh cool. so I am enjoying I enjoy being back here. back here.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. Wow.
0: And uh the peripatetic uh Grimes household <laughs> uh what does that
2: word mean? It well, means they move
0: around a lot. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh it, man things
5: are things are pretty cool. Uh very busy uh-huh. right now. Uh there's a a lot of good changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking to move this summer, uh, uh, which is crazy. It seemed like we just talked about yeah. moving, but we're going to uh, move back towards uh, Nashville. Yeah, and um, and uh, my, my wife is ready to leave Spring Hill. Yeah, she's she's like, you know, it's a cool place. She's like, it's just not not for me. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I said, okay. Well, you don't know until you try. You know. That's right. No, exactly. You try, so. So, uh we're I'm on the hunt. You know, <laughs> okay.
4: You're a good husband.
5: <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs>
1: you just well, move out feel... Go ahead. Yeah.
5: Well, what? I don't like moving, man, but at the same time though, I mean I feel like extremely disconnected. You guys are you not, like, not like suburbanites. No, we're no, no, not, no. you guys not, like not.
2: moving more than you like Spring Hill. Right. Exactly <laughs> <laughs> Ex exactly.
5: exactly. Exactly. So uh so there's there's that man, uh but a lot of good changes. It's been really busy though. Um uh, it's a, a lot of overlap of old season, new season stuff, but uh, everything's cool, man, you know. Uh, I think, uh, did, did I mention about uh, my godson? Did I tell you guys about that? No. Okay, so uh, I have a new, a new godson. Oh,
2: wait, were you, we had to, you guys don't know this that are listening. We had to cancel an episode yeah. because Mondo had to, like, all of a sudden run to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
5: right, yeah. So uh, my buddy and his and his wife, they had a home birth, yeah. their second child, um, and so, a little boy. And so, we got a call at four thirty in the morning or something like that. Hey, it's go time. Yeah. You need to get over here. So now, what that means, she's having the baby, but Mondo and Selena, I will have to come help.
3: So, oh. So no.
5: Selena is the the doula. There's a there's a midwife there. Yeah. Selena is the doula. Oh, right. I'm the gopher.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. Right.
5: I get everything. Right I, right. I keep the pool water warm. I'm bringing hot pots, teapots back and forth, warm water. I'm getting towels. Hey, we're hungry. I'm going to get something to eat. Going what? To some I'm the gopher. Okay. Hey, you, can you help pick up Sue's? Like, because you're the strongest guy here. Can you pick her up and help her and move this? And, yeah. So it's very physical. Yeah. God. <laughs> and uh, now we just went through this with them 13 months ago.
0: Okay. All right. With the first child. Okay. All and right.
5: They just had a second one. So okay. it's pretty nuts, man. Uh, so but the cool, the coolest thing about it though, Obviously, the baby being born, it was, it's its amazing to have it at home. It's just yeah. a different deal. Yeah. But then uh, they decided to give their son my first name as his middle name.
3: Wow. Which, which I
5: thought was a huge, it is a huge honor. Yeah. Uh, and it surprised me.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, this little secret that everyone kept from me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was, that was pretty cool, man. I was like well enough. You know? I was now, like, man, I, I never thought something like that would touch me like that. I mean, pretty, that's yeah. huge. Yeah.
4: That's yeah. a pretty
5: huge deal. Um, they would think of me that way Now, much, Mondo- I have a question.
4: Uh, I had a relative that went went with the home birth and everything, and then decided to eat her placenta afterwards. Did you get to partake in that?
5: Well, uh, what they did was—I not
0: don't, I don't want to uh, know no, any no, of no, this. Huh. <laughs> yeah, what they did—they
5: encapsulated. Okay, so so nobody 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 ate it. Oh. Okay, so yeah. let's, let's save Nate. Right. Okay, nobody well. ate it. Now in some cultures and some even in America some women actually make soup out of it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or bacon. Or
5: or bacon and something. What? Now, now hold on, hold on. Hold bacon on. I, I, we'll, we'll explain it. We'll explain it. Yeah. We we're having a a moment here. <laughs> okay, so now uh after after the birth, about maybe four hours later in the day, yeah. You know, the midwife leaves, another yeah. lady comes, uh, so the midwife actually takes the placenta, puts it in a bag and puts it in the fridge. You can't see it but she puts it in <laughs> the bag. And
4: this way, okay. did, like, did she put it in the crisper or no, in the deli no. drawer? It was
5: just a zip, it was like a ziploc bag when she wrapped it inside. You okay. can't see it sitting okay. in, the, in the fridge. Okay. Another lady comes later and she does encapsulation. So, so she takes it out. She washes it. She cleans the house like CSI. Like, yeah. I mean, she cleans the kitchen like down. Yeah. You know, she pulls it out. She's cleaning the thing like crazy, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. And, and she uh, they, they put it through a dehydrator. That <laughs> yeah. way it's what? like chips later. Yeah, okay. Then they cut it up,
1: <laughs> Yeah.
5: and, and she, she grinds it into like, like, a, like a powder yeah. and encapsulates it for the mom to take one a day, take one capsule a day.
2: It's a hormonal postpartum.
5: It helps with postpartum. Okay. It helps with, uh, with milk Yeah. With breastfeeding. It helps with uh, brain development, continued brain development for yeah. the baby. Um, so a lot of nutrition nutrition that the baby's not going to get from uh from formula or okay. from from just breast milk alone. Oh. So there's a lot so we, we, it, there there's a release right there Nate. That's Okay. so yeah.
4: yeah. You green you green juice wusses out there. You should have a little placenta every
5: day. <laughs> That's right. And you'll exactly. see the difference. Yeah. So it so now it was it's interesting cuz I like stuff like that unlike our friend Nate right here. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I actually sit there and watch the lady prepare it. Oh, no. <laughs> but what's interesting, though, and this is probably pretty gross, but the...
4: <laughs> yeah, then why? Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, spoiler alert.
5: <laughs> but it's the, you see the tree of life on the on the placenta. Huh. It's it's the, the way... the way And it's pretty interesting. Like, to look at it, you actually see, like, this tree of life.
3: Yeah. With...
5: It's pretty... I know it sounds gross, yeah, but okay. it's yeah. pretty... Anyway, let me yeah. wrap this up. So that was the experience. The, the cool thing wasn't just wasn't the placenta errand. Uh, that it was the fact that my name is in his you know his middle name i thought was cool so yeah so i, I didn't share that with you guys i thought that was, uh, that was
6: great.
4: pretty yeah, pretty cool yeah that's cool, cool. So. Uh, hey mondo right. yeah do you mind if i just instead of that story picture you putting it on your head and running around the yard naked <laughs>
2: like the guy in May- Albert.
5: Yeah, it, yeah
0: if, that, if that helps you get through your afternoon, absolutely. <laughs> do do you, brother. Okay, I don't think well, I'm going to be able to eat for a while.
3: Newton, top Newton, that. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm i like to have a pepperoni pizza, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm more. Okay. Um. So what have I been
2: into? <laughs> yeah. Um. I actually just got back. Uh, from my grandmother's 100th birthday party. Oh,
5: man.
2: Uh, after, after last week's uh, show, I left and got packed up. We left Thursday morning uh, to fly down to Texas, uh, spent a little bit of time with my dad, which was really great. Um, but the really the focus of going down was to uh, see my grandmother. Her 100th birthday uh, was a week ago tomorrow. Had a big party, uh, hundreds of people coming in. To wow. Kind of... Pay their respects doesn't sound right because it sounds like a funeral. But yeah. but to cel- to celebrate her and and to tell her you know what she's meant to them it was something else. Uh, and this this lady, she is she is a badass. Really, um, she's a hundred and aside from having crappy balance, she entertained people all day long on Friday. Oh really? Oh, uh, she finally told us to go home at like five thirty six o'clock in the evening because she was tired. And I, yeah. and I thought, and I'm thirty eight. Hell, I'm tired.
3: Yeah. you know, yeah, you're
2: a yeah. you're hundred. Um, it was, it was awesome. Wow. It was, it was so neat. Um, you know, spending time with my dad was all, was also great. Uh, just getting some of his story and I just, I love story. Um, yeah. and never really had the chance to talk with my dad about his story and things that he's gone through. So got a little bit of that. Mm. Um, but just, Time with family. Uh I don't get to see him nearly as much as I want to. Yeah.
3: Uh
2: so it was the first time I'd seen my dad in I think two and a half, maybe three years. Ooh. Um, eh, Texas is a long way away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and when your grandmother's ninety eight, ninety
3: nine,
2: yeah. He's pretty cool with understanding yeah, holidays she can get the holidays. Yeah. You Because sure. yeah. they live about four hour three hour about three hours apart. Yeah. Um, but man, it was really neat. Um, but I'm worn out. It was it was driving and flying and travelling every day for like five days. Um, wow. Yeah, but it, it was it was great. Um, yeah, and then she we so we had this huge party. <clears throat> I, I can't top a placenta story, but <laughs> Thank we God. had this huge party, huge party for her on Saturday. And I had yes. kind of been joking. Her birthday was Thursday. The party was Saturday. I was kind of joking. I hope she doesn't just decide the day after she turns a hundred. You know what? This is neat, but I'm done. Yeah. Right. Um, and no no birthday party. Um, we get home Monday. And text messages start coming in from family members. My 90-year-old great-aunt had come in to visit, uh, was staying with my grandmother, and they had gone out someplace, who knows where, clubbing or something. And when they were walking back in the house, my great-aunt stumbles in the the foyer of the house. My great-aunt stumbles and knocks my grandmother over. Um, And so two days after her birthday, three days after her birthday, she's in the ER in a neck brace thinking that she's oh, broken her no. hips and all kinds of stuff and it turns out that's not the case. Yeah. But yeah, my ninety year old aunt and my hundred year old grandmother are getting into some kind of wrestling match. Yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. After <laughs> Wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, it she she doesn't take pain meds very well, so she was climbing the walls last night apparently, yeah. thinking nurses were coming to get her but um yeah, that's that's that was my week. Wow. Oh uh, it was that great. Is cool. Yeah.
4: Well, I believe that we're going to take a quick break, and for those of you that don't know, this is 80s Christian Rap Week, so enjoy
1: (laughs) some of this music that
4: Mondo's bringing out from the vaults on the Pirate Monk Podcast. I
1: love rap. Praise the Lord, for goodness sake, we're all gonna take a Bible break. I said, praise the Lord, for goodness sake, we're all gonna take a Bible break. So when your fingers start to pop and your feet start to tap, you're listening to The Righteous Rap. So faith comes by the words you hear. I'm not talking junk, I'm not talking dive but I've got a message right.
2: to make you laugh. I love rap read, music, you know, and I love 80s right, hip-hop. So what better way to combine all that than 80s Christian hip-hop rap music? Thank you, Mondo. <laughs> yeah.
3: um,
2: you guys you guys may remember may remember last week we were talking about uh, boundaries in the, in the Silas relationship and we wanted to get Nate's feedback on that. He wasn't wasn't available at the time. So um want to just kind of throw that out to you a little bit of background. We got an email uh last week um a guy is silencing another guy and um didn't know really he, he had questions about boundaries in that relationship. Mm-hmm. How do I tell him not to call me 10 times a day?
3: Yeah.
2: Um how do I how do I tell him um I don't need the deep, dark details of, of what you're dealing with or whatever. Um, and as we were talking, Mondo brought up sort of the Silas relationship that you guys had yeah. when Mondo first started into Samson. And we thought, well, let's find out what Nate thinks about boundaries in a Silas relationship, how to implement them lovingly, yeah. what they could look like. going to get your yeah. your take on it. Okay.
0: Well, you know, the status relationship, we're talking about close male friendship, right? And moving some of us for the very first time, others for the first time in a long time, into true, authentic, non-sexual intimacy Mm -hmm. with another guy and kind of sharing in real time uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's going on, right? And allowing somebody else to speak into our lives. Yeah. Now, that can go sideways in a number of ways and I've had it go sideways on me I do not put myself up as a model of uh, you know Silas genius by any stretch of the imagination uh, so one of the mistakes I've made is to try to be too much to too many if you no. if you have a Messiah complex and and really I have to I, I always have to take you know medication to keep mine somewhat in check because I've got a raging uh Messiah complex. You can make the mistake of trying to be a service to too many people right. or trying to do too much for any one guy, and that can get really deep if you happen to connect with a guy who would love to put all responsibility for his life on somebody else huh <clears throat> right um. So what we're learning to do is you – and know, I love uh, – if I'd have thought ahead, if, uh, I wish I knew the Bible reference. But there is, this, there is this point, I think it's in Galatians, where Paul says, you know, bear one another's burdens. Right. And in the next verse he says, because everyone has to carry his own load. So it's kind of this thing where we do have to bear each other's burdens. At the same time, we have to understand that everybody's got to carry his own load. So we really kind of help each other carry our own load better. Yeah. Right? And then we share the heavy things. And for those of us who've spent years and years and years in isolation, learning how to do this is not easy. Right. And so it's it's to be expected that it's going to be awkward in the beginning it's kind of like learning how to dance um for me you know i found that my limit as a as a silas is five i can be silas to five guys i do want my guys to call me as often as they need to call me and to call me at least once a day but i let them know up front that i seldom answer the phone right they can they, uh, the expectation that so actually when I pick up a phone the phone on a guy one of my guys is surprised oh 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 I got you well, yeah. you know I uh, haven't gotten you live in a, in a few weeks yeah right? um but I do want them to leave me a detailed message uh, because it's important for them to hear themselves articulating to another person honestly what they're feeling thinking doing and thinking of doing yeah right. Um, and, um, guys will also hit me, you know, the guys I'm sponsoring, uh, uh not sponsoring, I'm Silas too. I'll get the occasional email. I'll get texts sometimes. Um, and I don't always, uh, <coughs> respond instantly, but I, I do, you know, it's kind of, sometimes it's just, you got to know somebody else is there. Right. Right. I'm tracking. Yeah. Um, I, I what I like to be able to do as a silas is allow my guys the confidence to know that they can. Ha- we'll have a regular time that we're going to get together. Uh, it gets tough when I'm traveling a lot, but I like to meet with my guys once a week,
3: hmm.
0: and we'll go for a walk or we'll sit for, over coffee at Starbucks and we'll kind of talk out what, what's going through. Now, hopefully we've got a head start on that conversation because I've been getting daily updates yeah right Um, and um, it is you know some guys you know we're all across the spectrum you know we're all messed up but we're messed up in different ways some of us have been operating under the illusion that we can do this all by ourselves and so just making the phone call is extremely difficult um, and those, those are guys, you know, who, who, you know, I won't even hear from them between meetings, right? Or I'll get, and, and, and i got to tell you, this is the end of the spectrum I'm at. It's very tough for me to make that uh, daily phone call because I've got this strong streak of independence.
3: But right.
0: the other end of the spectrum are those of us who've been uh, so, you know, decimated that we kind of think we can't ever do it on our um, we, you know, we need we need help with every step. Right, right, right. right. Um, and the truth is that it's in the middle. Mm-hmm. We got to carry each other's burdens, and everybody has to carry his own load. And so, it's best, in my experience, what I do, and you know, uh, uh, is um, try to let a guy know I'm there. Listen to the daily phone calls. Occasionally, I'll call back if I hear something really, really hinky. Yeah, I'll make a phone call. And um, or sometimes I'll just make a call if I haven't had a chance. Uh, I've got a couple guys who call me from from uh, way out of town, and there's no way we can get together weekly. Yeah, and um, it, they need to know that you know that I'm tracking. And sometimes. Uh, and frankly, you know, I need to do that the more I, I the more I think about it, I actually need to track uh, track with those guys more often than I do. I know
2: one of the things that because I my Silas and I are on different schedules. Right. He generally can't answer the phone when I call every morning on my way to work. Right. But he'll send me a text message just about every day once he has a chance to listen to my voicemail to say, "Hey man, got your message." And respond and and respond to that. Um, whenever he and I talk on the phone together, we get sucked into like 30 minute conversations, but, and I've gotten into that habit with guys that I Silas, I'll let it go to voicemail. I'll listen to it. And then I'll try to reply later that day to say, Hey man, got your message. Thanks for checking in. Um, you know, is there anything that you need in regards to whatever you're talking to me about? Yeah. And it's because it lets me know, hey, he's listening, he's yeah. not just getting my voicemail deleting it, yeah, right, you yeah. know, yeah, there is something so that I know cool he's he's engaged, right, you know, yeah, and that and that works for us, it works yeah. for me, um so yeah,
0: that's good, all right, well, there it is, a little bit of Samson wisdom take it for what it's worth. We'll be back
2: after a little more eighties Christian <laughs> hip hop. <laughs>
0: On the Pirate Monk podcast.
1: <laughs> I took a look in the Bible book just to see what I could see. I saw Jesus loved everyone from the Eskimo to the Piggerlee. There's a special message in this song that we wanted everyone to know. And that Jesus loves everyone because the Bible tells me so. It says that I'm a winner, not a loser. I am the head and I'm not the tail. If the prison door is open, my friend, or oh, what you doing in jail? I'm a winner, not a loser. I'm the head and not the tail. If the prison door is open, what you doing in jail? Everybody, winners.
4: Welcome back to this segment of the Pirate Monk podcast. I hope you're enjoying Mondo's 80s Christian rap music morning. (laughs) Now now you have to, Mondo. Yeah, I
3: know. Uh, for those of you that
4: don't understand how this works, Bondo puts in the music later. And uh, <laughs> Newton and I, we want 80s rap. So, hoping for a little Stephen Wiley, but we'll see what he gives you. So this morning, we've got Michael Reynolds in Studio A. Really? Here. Yeah, we're Studio A, man. Yeah, you just...
2: Studios
0: while you oh, you... okay, well, I don't care about Studio A, but Michael Reynolds?
4: Yes, I know. That's right. Right?
0: All right. Yeah, uh,
4: we, a- we we actually had George Carlin scheduled for this morning, but we said Michael Reynolds is available, and George Carlin's dead. We're going with Michael Reynolds.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, <laughs> so Mike is a uh, a long participant in many things piratey. Mm. Well, see that could mean a lot of things, couldn't I it? Could that might be bad? People <laughs> want to see him. Many Samson. Samson.
3: <laughs> oh, did he
4: just say go find some booty? All right. We will scrub that for the sake of your wife and daughter. Uh, So, Mike just wrote a book called "Love One Another." Question mark, and then what was the subtitle?
6: A journey toward deeper friendship. Journey toward
4: deeper friendship. So, give us give us the story with how you ended up writing this. Actually, give us the story. Forget the book for a second. Mm -hmm. Take them on the journey briefly up until the last few years, but then the last few years.
6: Well, I started at uh, working at a church that Aaron used to work at in San Luis Obispo, and
0: uh, the Mormon the Tabernacle journey... there. <laughs> no, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry.
6: Much of the journey started when he invited me to this secret meeting that he was having, and uh... was a little nervous about that until he threw this book at me and said, "Yeah, it's tomorrow. Read it." And uh, <laughs> so that was my first experience with the pirate monks, as I came into a group of guys telling all their deepest darkest secrets so you know i enjoyed it right away Um, especially that i didn't have to talk the first week Um, Mm. but that kind of got me into the uh, uh, the pirate monks society and began to meet weekly with the guys and um, as i began to figure out what the whole honesty thing and what it means for guys to be honest with each other it really began to play in my life in terms of how this idea of relationship works. Um, I'm a kind of guy who, uh, personality-wise, loves to be around people, loves friends. Um, So it really was speaking to my heart at that time, uh, the idea of being honest, being real, and getting together. But our particular group was not very good at the meeting after the meeting. And uh, I know that Mm -hmm. Nate often reprimanded us for that. uh, But I began to see how important that actually is to the process of Um, developing the relationships, that the meeting is great, but uh, the forming the relationship part of it is just as important. Um, So that's kind of started us off in the rolling process of what God was doing in my mind in terms of what it means to be a friend. Um, I began to look through some passage and through my reading, Some verses started to pop out in my mind that really didn't make sense. A simple one was even in the creation story when God says that it's not good for Adam to be alone, and I began to wonder, what is that all about? Adam was with God. How can that not be good for there mm-hmm. to be Adam and god that That's an incredible thing to say. Um, but then we always look at that as being the uh, great verse for marriage, and we always talk so then God made Adam Eve, but we skip over a very important part there where God says he looked through all the animals to find a helpmate. And we going, well, he couldn't just be looking for, you know, a wife, because that would be very, um, mm. well, that would be an odd thing to be looking for a wife in all the animals. But instead he was looking for a helpmate, a looking for a, someone to com- give him as a companion. Um, so it was showing just kind of the heart, the nature of how God created us to need someone to be a companion in our lives, um, even more so than a wife. Um, but then... I was uh, moved into shortly after to small group ministry and was given all the books and started doing all the research and going to all the conferences about small groups and what that all is in a church. And it just was dying. I mean, I, I, something was missing from it. As I'd go to all the conferences, read through all the books, it was a great opportunity for people to get together within the church, but there wasn't forming any kind of depth of relationship. People mm. would get together do a Bible study, probably do a a round of prayer requests, and then go home for the week and do the normal thing and then come back. And there wasn't much happening within small groups to really harvest the depth of relationship. So my heart was really moving in that direction before God prompted me to uh, look into what this idea of friendship was. And once I began to read 1 John and begin to read through all that he continuously, over and over and over again, starts to talking about loving one another, and uh, that's really when everything started to click in motion on what this really ought to look like. And so it's kind of a an all encompassing. I can blame Aaron and Nate for starting us off down this, down this journey, but the idea of what it means to have deep friendships in your life that are going to be life changing.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: All right. Well, you left out some of the uh, some of the personal stuff because you didn't get there just by theory. Um, Talk about from when you basically from when you left First Baptist.
6: Yeah. So I found that being a pastor can be lonely, and I was more lonely than I thought I was. As I left First Baptist, um, one of the things that really I didn't think it would hurt as much, but we left and. It was as if nobody noticed you leave staff and then you're done i for months didn't receive a phone call didn't have anybody checking in how are you guys doing and it shook me and my wife pretty deeply in terms of thinking wow did we not was this not a family was did we pour in our years of life into these people that really it didn't didn't really connect at all that we could walk away and everybody would just be fine so we it really began to hurt us in that in that aspect of how we were understanding what it means to be a, a Christian, what it means to be in a church and those parts of things. But it continued yeah. on. Our our journey was rough from there on in.
4: Uh, you had just bought a house, right?
6: We, yeah, we had just bought a house. And how old and was Joy? Joy was six months old. So first daughter, six months old, new house. And uh Joy was not eating, so if anyone has kids out there knows what screaming children, almost twenty four hours a day was happening, and wife was slowly getting into depression because she's not sleeping and don't know what's wrong with the baby, so we're we're in a tough spot, and right at that time, my wife was teaching, um but she wasn't tenured yet, so she got cut to three quarters time. So we went from two salaries to three quarters of a salary at that particular time. So we had that for about maybe about a year and a half or so before uh, we were one of the ones that the bank just decided to uh, mess with us and take our house. So now we were losing our job, our, most of my identity that I had wrapped up in being a pastor since I was 19. Mm. So I was uh, becoming everything that you could possibly put your identity in, God was slowly just stripping away from me.
4: But at least you've got your health.
6: Yeah, at least I had my health until about six months later, my daughter got some kind of flu and passed it on to my wife who got the flu and then passed it on to me and they got better and I didn't. So I was sick for, well, for about three months straight without knowing what was going on and uh, the virus rocked my body it paralyzed me in the stomach it's did head-to-toe nerve damage and that was for the next uh, three years on have been figuring that out so it it took away everything that you could possibly have that i would rest my identity in in terms of being a good father couldn't be do that anymore couldn't be a good providing husband anymore i uh And really in the sense of understanding who God is and what it means to uh, even be a Christ follower in that is is tough and to be alone. And so that started off, I would say, stage two of the thinking about the book. Um, One was because I suddenly have a lot of time on my hands as I was sitting around. But um, I also began to see how many friends who I also had who as soon as I became sick, they disappeared again and was really hit me hard of the what is going on and if the christian community that when someone is at their worst do we suddenly disappear but then at the same time we began to see a lot of close friends and and people that we saw at vintage who really embraced me and things like started to just show up for staff meetings at my house because i couldn't make it out so they would they would come over and spend their day hanging out with me in the silence and solitude of the house and um, so God began to show me a new understanding of what friendship can be. As people, I had to humbly call people to drive me to the doctors because I had a doctor's appointment and couldn't drive. So, because I was all drugged up on medicine. So it began to be that place to find people who really showed the love of God, uh, the love of Christ, in a way that um, mattered when it when times were their hardest for us. Hmm.
4: So that's been the last few years of Michael Reynolds' life. Wow. Hmm. So the book is trying to answer the question what? Why we struggle with this?
6: Why? Well, the book is trying to, I don't know if it's answering the question why, but how. It's it's going off the commandments that Jesus gave at the Last Supper to his disciples, that a new command I give you, love one another just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Uh, that is a very big statement, bold statement, especially even for the disciples at that time, who he said, you're no longer my servants, but I call you friends. Uh, this is a time where I was deeply intimate for Jesus, and he's talking with his friends, and he says a new command, which is odd because most of the time when I grew up, I I thought they were intertwined with the, the two greatest commandments, the love, one, or the um, love he, yeah care. i love the lord god with all your hearts and um, love your neighbor as yourself so i always saw those as being intertwined but then when you begin to it's a simple comment but when jesus says a new command um, i give you and in first john it repeats a lot this is my command that you love one another uh, i begin to say okay so why why is it a new command and that began a search into depth of what does that look like and the level of just as I have loved you, so you must love one another was was huge. That's a that's a big statement to make and to begin to look at how are our relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ, are they the kind of relationships that would say, This is just how Jesus would love me? And that's really what the book is about. It's saying how can we go to a deeper level and then what does that bring for us? The promises that the Bible has for those who are willing to Embark on deeper friendships and deeper intimacy.
4: Now I got a question for you, Nate. <clears throat> who's who's the closest person in your life besides Jesus? Closest person in oh yeah. my wife.
3: Yeah.
4: Okay, uh, that's a good answer. It's a good answer. If you went somewhere else, I would have been stymied at that point. Yeah. So how much time with Allie is purposeful versus? You're just being together, doing whatever, talking about whatever. How much is set up in
0: advance? Oh, I wouldn't say that a lot of it is set up in advance. No, we don't we don't uh, script it, although, I mean, we're intentional about uh, spending time together. I made it a point after my early morning um, journaling this morning and my writing time at Starbucks to get back to the house to spend an hour with Allie before coming here to do the podcast. Right. It's a
4: standard so, thing. So but purposeful time would be like, hey, we need to sit down to talk about uh, budget or taxes oh, this year or, No, no, no,
0: no, okay. no, no. We so make we make it a so policy of avoiding those conversations. <laughs> those were
4: bad examples. Sorry. Yeah. First, yeah. first first came We high, haven't talked so. about
0: that stuff in years.
3: <laughs>
4: so it seems like in our actual relationships it's like over ninety percent spontaneous whatever's going to happen.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you
4: might, you might know you're going to play uh, nines, so right. you prepare by bringing a deck of cards. Right. But other than that, but then when I think oh, about relationships, I when Michael was going. talking in church, most of friendship is built around, it's, it's over 90% planned out, programmed. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's.
3: Right.
4: So how does that end up affecting the community?
6: That's a question for both oh, of you.
0: Oh, what a great. Great observation and a great question. Take it away, Mike.
6: Well what I see is that within the church, we've probably all have seen that the church mindset is we go to church, we go do these things, and so the church's side of things is responsible for creating these opportunities for people to meet. And I began to see that's what I started to see in small group ministry was it's really becoming the e harmony of relationships that the church the church is responsible for setting people up with people that they can connect with that hopefully they'll build relationships with and connect and um, share their life with and if they don't like it well then they reapply for a different group and the relationships don't really form because you're there's always the fear of the safety as we've um, seen from there i don't want to share too much there's the I don't have time to really commit too much so i show up to a event and then i've done my checkbox of fellowship within the church so it creates this idea that just being around people is enough that that's what it's really about so we go to a lot of church events and we small talk and we talk with other people and we begin to see that It's not much different, and I really began to see it as I began to compare uh, my brother, who doesn't spend a lot of time in church. I began to look, and he had really close friends that he always was spending time with, going and doing things with, camping together, doing all these things that he went out of his way to spend time with. And then I compared it to people within the church and even my relationships and saying, well, I may do some of those things, but it's not with the same people. It's just kind of as a church group we go do this. So the the level – of intimacy, the depth, uh, it's kind of one of those uh, broad, shallow pools that we like to just play in at the kiddie pool, and it suits us just fine in our busy, scheduled lives.
4: My follow-up to Mike's book is going to be How Bible Study Killed Small Groups. Ah, uh-huh. yeah.
6: ah Write that down, Newton.
2: I got it. I'm on it.
6: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and it's true, because we we focus so much on Bible study and the learning and the knowledge but we forget that it's really about our lives, that it really is this this idea of what is going on in your life. How are you walking through this? How can I walk through it with you? Um, and we've turned it all into a knowledge place. So lots of people like to have Bible studies and talk about the Bible. And the most they ever open up is probably at prayer request time when they share about their sister's sick dog that is going in for surgery the next day.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Not that Fluffy doesn't deserve prayer.
6: Yeah.
3: So my
4: obviously I am most passionate about chapter five. Did chapter you
2: write
4: four. Chapter five. Chapter four. Chapter four. No, I did not. <laughs> but it is the gospel chapter, and uh, how how does that work? I mean, here's a book talking about hey, we need to take seriously loving one another, and he gets chapter four, and it's just what does the gospel mean to identity. Why is that there, and why at that place in the book?
6: Well, the, it comes off to the statement that the book is written off the command that love one another, and he says, just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So if we're going to be even begin to talk about how do we love one another, we have to start with the idea of how does Jesus love us, and who are we in Christ? Who the I can't love people the way that God wants me to out of the overflow of God's love if I haven't first figured out what God's love is all about in my life and the the purpose is the I want to give you the most authentic me I can give you mm-hmm. and I can only do that as I begin to understand who God truly created me to be and it so it begins there with the understanding the gospel identity because we don't want to be uh, it's not about sharing baggage. It's not about just simply sharing all your deepest, darkest secrets. It's about sharing you and who you are. Uh, we talk about the um, importance of that. Deep relationships help us know God, and the reason, one of those reasons, is because we are each created uniquely in His image. So if I'm going to help you get to know God by knowing me, then I have to be a reflection of the image He created me to be. That's the only way you're really going to connect with this. This God who loves you deeply and created you uniquely. Um, So our gospel identity helps us begin to understand who we are in Christ. It gives us the boldness to move forward and ask those tougher questions. As you begin to get vulnerable, uh, you realize, I don't need to be afraid to share my sins, my struggles because I know who I am in Christ, that I am forgiven, that I have made, been made righteous. So you can boldly walk in those areas that seem uh, scared and or shaky and um, possibly vulnerable. Uh, but when you begin to walk in Christ, uh, all that's taken away. And you can be honest, real, uh, and raw because that's exactly how Jesus is with us, is he's completely open in his love and where we stand in him. So you have to get that in line first before you can even begin to walk down the depths of, of what this journey would lead to. Otherwise, you're, you're going to be filled with fear. You're going to find that you're going to get betrayed. I mean, that's, that's the life. Jesus was betrayed, so how could we even, th- by one of his friends, how could we think we wouldn't have the same thing? But it didn't shake Jesus and it shouldn't shake us.
2: But you're, you're, So you're saying <clears throat> what I'm hearing you say is that we have to know mm-hmm. ourselves and what we can offer somebody before we can offer that to someone else, before we can truly know someone else and be their friend. But when you say it, it doesn't sound like I need to know my sin, I need to know my struggles, know myself in that way. It sounds like I need to know actually know who I am, what I'm good at, what God's called me to be. See, I think what my identity an... is, is that? yeah.
4: I think, I think it's more than what I'm good at and what I do as much as what what we bring is who we are. Yeah, and that's you know, what I right? mean.
2: Like, But who you are is not just the sum of your sins. Who you are no, is... No, absolutely. Is nor,
4: nor, nor is it the sum of my skills.
2: True, yeah. true.
4: It is, it is that whole reflection of me in Christ's mirror right. instead of the funhouse mirrors of either my successes or failures.
2: Right. Right, and we
6: don't wait. We don't have to wait till we've got it all figured out, because obviously we talked about. I mean, it's in there that we now we just see as a reflection, but it's the constantly. My identity is not in what others think about me. Um, there's the the saying, "I care enough about you not to care what you think about me." So that's a mm. great starting place to be at when you can walk forward. And yeah, it has it. It's not about the sin. It's not about any of those. It's the understanding the body of Christ, understanding what it means to be family, understanding what it means to be brothers. And so I move forward to getting to know you uh, because I love you, because I know that God loves me, and he desires something more. And so it's not just a command, because that's kind of what we talk about, is the command comes with the promises that as you move forward in this, you're going to love God more you're going to know God more you're going to um, find that you're going to be blessed by God through it talks about joy and that you're the things like healing from when you confess your sins to one another those there's so many things that come to it um, as well as we talk it, the Bible talks about it being a better witness for God that it, the Bible is very clear that as we love each other that is how the world is going to know that we are his followers so the the days of Sure, there's a place for the proclamation evangelism, but I see very rarely do we display the image of Christ in our love for one another within the church that people say, wow, I want that. I don't know what that is, but I don't have that in my life. I want those kind of people in my life. And um, so that's the kind of relationship I'm talking about is that place that it's so uh, powerfully intimate that people say I, that is beyond in earthly relationship that is something much more
4: that's an important thing even with the whole samson journey for us to become skilled i think at being better friends
3: i'm a better purposeful guy than
4: just a off-the-cuff mm-hmm. relational guy mm-hmm. yeah. um, i usually do spontaneous stuff by myself or maybe with one of my kids Right. But I remember it wasn't like that in high school. Right. I I had a lot a lot of fun with friends in high school and and college. But then all of a sudden I grew up and programmed relationships.
2: You have to make plans. You can't just go do something. Right. Yeah,
0: and uh, I'm really uh intrigued here by, you know, what what practical steps can we take to make group experience, small group experience, these kind of planned program times in church where we're trying to foster community, right? How can we make them, uh, you know, you know, more authentic? This morning I got another email, uh, you know, a kind that I answer routinely. I'm going to speak at another men's retreat in a couple of weeks. And, and uh, so the guys are looking ahead to program the small group time. And they want the, me to give them the discussion questions that I want to be posed in the small groups after the sessions where I speak. And, uh, you know, what I prefer to do is actually not have discussion questions. Yeah. What I prefer to yeah. do is Samson style sharing. But these guys want questions. So the questions I posed were all, you know, personal story questions.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Tell us about you trying to, trying to. Um, steer us away from that place where we have a tendency to go when we 've been all Sunday schooled up, well all schooled up, um, where we 're just going to talk about concepts and ideas, yeah. you know mm-hmm. disembodied principles mm-hmm. um, as though this is some kind of you know uh, you know cosmic spiritual calculus that if we can just figure out those weird you know metaphysical differential equations and we get we footnote it with the correct verses then somehow our life is going to get straightened out um yeah so how do we do that uh let's say you know i'm sure that we've got a number of small group leaders that are listening to the podcast today we got pastors listening to the podcast people are teaching sunday school Um, if we want to deepen the relationships in those programmed intentional meetings what do we do and what do we stop doing
6: well i think you said some of it is the trying to get away from the head knowledge that we feel we have to know more and know more and know more and the funny thing is is that the bible actually says that we're going to know god through the way we love one another so in our attempt to know god more through information we're actually Pushing farther away from God because we are wow. forgetting the sense that God says, um, "If you don't love your brother, you don't know me," because um, mm. God is love. So that that purposeful
3: <laughs> sorry that was the song.
4: <laughs> thank you, thank you, Sunday school people in the room.
6: That purposeful push towards the wanting to know God more needs to be redirected in the sense of spending time with each other, living life. Um, I, I would say women are better than men at this that they often would get together to talk and hang out and have coffee together But men often do plenty of things. I think sharing meals with one another is something that we talk a lot about here that how uh, powerful that is that even in Bible times from ancient times that sharing meals together is great we all have to eat so it's not recreating something else. It's the come around and sit around the table together and talk and uh, talk yeah. about your days, what's what's going on, what's God doing. And we find those relational moments. The, if you're putting together a car and you work on cars, invite someone over. It's it's whatever you're doing already. We don't have to recreate or purposely create an opportunity to get together. Mm. We're talking about living life with one another. So live life with one another. Just, it's that point of just saying I, I'm putting together a treehouse for my kids this week. Can you come over and help? And so now you're sitting there, you're working together on a treehouse talking about what's going on in life, and suddenly you're, you are just naturally growing deeper um, as you begin to talk and get to know each other's kids and what they're going through. And um, that's kind of the, the point of it is to begin to say, let's not try to force this idea. Uh, I began to look at my daughter who's almost five now, and watching her make friends is really easy she sees kids playing on the playground and she'll go walk up to someone and say, Hey, you want to play? And they say, yes. And then they play the rest of the day on the playground as if they're best friends. I'm going, wow, that's how simple it really is is to start saying, Hey, let's just do something.
4: I think there's, there's two things there. One is that we man, I've had so many discussions with Jenny about this. um, People love to come along and do what we're doing, but sometimes I think we don't ask because we don't want to be a burden. Mondo moving, mondo moving. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. And 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 that like my my motorcycle is is broken right now. No, I didn't crash it again. I knew that was what you're going to ask next, so I'll just take that away. So I've I need help fixing it. So we're just putting out hey, this Saturday we're going to have a motorcycle fixing day, and I guarantee you there are going to be a bunch of people that will show up with tools and motorcycles. Guys will ride their motorcycles over that have nothing that they need to fix on their bike, but they just want to hang out with everybody else while they tool around with their motorcycles. Yeah. Like it's, and they'll enjoy it. And maybe we'll cook some hot dogs. So it, it, people really do enjoy that,
0: and you and will sing some worship songs and have a Bible study, right? i
5: <laughs> will <laughs> have some Christian rap.
0: <laughs> what?
5: Play play eighties
4: Christian rap and have a beer? Yes, yes, sir. We will. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the the other part too, and I think you you and Allie are great at this. When when Michael first was talking about this. There's a a mental hump that we have to get over, uh, most of us, where our space is our space and our time is our time.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I knew a lady from Kenya that was talking about being back at home, and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just our culture. If somebody comes into your hut, you just drop everything and hang out with them. Hmm. And when she told me that years ago, I was mortified. I'm like, that would be the worst way to live ever tell me you're coming, let me have a chance to leave and not be here. Like, I was, I was really my space, my time. And when we actually commit to saying, wow, that is not the way communities live, that doesn't mean that uh, we lose all of our appropriate boundaries, because some people certainly go off in the other direction, uh, but we're really trying to just make our house more open and know that that is a sacrifice that will come with a blessing.
6: Yeah. It's a cost
4: that's actually buying something.
6: Yeah.
4: And uh, I, I think that's a big mental hurdle everybody has to get over in our culture. It is.
6: Our culture is very focused on ourselves and what we have to do in our day and the mindset of having personal time, that this is my personal time, personal space. We even talk about when we start to get intimate with each other which is a little scary when you talk talking to guys about being intimate with each other but they well that's personal we always say that's personal you don't have to talk about it and saying but the bible is actually almost opposite in saying that nothing of your life is meant to be personal secrets um, it is meant to be shared that you are to be poured out on uh, with each other that you should be serving one another encouraging one another praying for one another that it's very uh in, in the terms of very public in the sense of the community of christ and so we have to get away from the american idea that i have my own time my own family i kind of do my own thing um, that it's it's meant the mentality of us not me and that's tough in our culture i know in a lot of other cultures that's, that's a lot easier to go down but the um the personal walk with god even how that that's so contrary, because that's what got me thinking about the whole creation statement of if I'm supposed to have this personal me and God walk, and that's what it's really about, saying, well, the very beginning, God took that away. He said, no, this is just me and Adam walking in the garden. That's not good. So we can't rest in that place where we think it's personal. And it does have to become more. That's where you begin to have to be purposeful and saying, I've got to force myself out of this rut of kind of living To start being in community with other believers
4: one one other practical that I would give before we wrap this up uh, it frustrates me that um, friends don't take communion together that they think they need a priest there to administer a sacrament Mm. there's nowhere in scripture Jesus uses the most common elements at the table and says as often as you do this which is supposed to be pretty often if it's bread and wine you guys remember me, and uh, Michael and I have certainly been places outside of church where normal people serve communion to one another, and that just changes the vibe of the whole deal
3: yeah it's
4: supposed to change the vibe of the whole deal so for the listeners, you are being deputized to serve <laughs> communion with your friends with your families. you are now the priesthood of the kingdom.
2: What? That almost sounds biblical. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Suckers. All right. So
2: I want to ask one more quick question because I'm just curious. The cover of your book is a playground and a swing set. As a graphics guy, an artsy guy, I believe that has to be intentional because it's the cover of your book. It is. What's the thing with the swing set and loving one another?
6: Well, when you see swing set, you automatically think childhood and childhood friends swinging on the swings together. But I I chose the empty swing set because I I truly believe we have lost, as a Christian community, as adults, this idea of what friendship is. We don't have the kind of friends that Jesus wants us to have. Uh, Mm. We are empty. We are alone. And so you have this empty swing set of where are they Um, Hmm. And these the idea of the book is really, as you move forward, is the how far can we take this then? Um, and you begin to look, well, how far did Jesus take his love for us? And you can you can always extend it that far. And I think we begin to the point where we're saying, well, how deep a friend should I have? Um, you can go infinitely deep in this that the kind of friends we can have will become very powerful. We talk about uh, one of the chapters is about this idea of having a vision for someone else's life and then living sacrificially to make that vision a reality. Uh, to live your life, to have someone else's uh, life be lived in a great way, instead of thinking of my own. Well, what am I good at? How can I succeed in life? We think, well, what is my friend good at, and how can I live in a way that would help him succeed at his life? Uh, it's a it's a completely different paradigm shift as we begin to say, how deep can I really go in my relationships? And Jesus' response is, how deep do I love you? Mm. Um, wow.
0: Well thank you so much for joining us Michael and for stimulating so much uh uncomfortable thought. I mean I
3: yeah.
0: you know as always I'm I'm caught in this ambivalence where I know that God is calling me into deeper friendships to experience his friendship more deeply to allow friends into my life farther and to invest myself more deeply in them. And I want now. it and I'm afraid of it. Hmm?
4: Now there are there are a couple ways they can get this book. Yeah. Because I would I would love to hear what people think as they try this. I yeah. mean, if Jesus makes promises based on friendships, then I'm I'm all for saying, yeah, test him, see what finds out. Yeah. Hmm. Get, give it a try. Um, and I love that we just had Derek Webb on what like four or five weeks ago. Yeah, something and he like was that. Talking about yeah, talking about how the book part of Noise Trade had just started. Yeah. And though you can get this book on Amazon, Michael has put it up on Noise Trade as well. There you go. So you can go to books.noisetrade.com forward slash Michael Reynolds, or just if you Google Michael Reynolds Noise Trade, it'll come up. But the cool thing is, if you want to get it for, uh, you can get it for whatever you want to pay. You can get it for free. You can download it. And I know that Mike just wants people to have this and to be stepping in the kingdom. Or you can give uh, whatever. I think is it called tipping the author yeah, right, yeah, as well. Yeah, tip. So yeah, so you just give a tip,
2: and it's nine bucks on Amazon right now. So if you get it through noise trade, you should tip nine bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh,
4: but but really, just uh, it is that available. It's that accessible that anyone should be able to just check it out and start going through it and say, all right, what can I? Which of Jesus' principles can I start applying? to my relationships how can people get a hold of you michael if they want to write you an email or ask you a question
6: well you can go to uh, love one com is the uh, book site but you can also um, do contact reynolds at hotmail uh, is an easy way to get a hold of me too if you're interested in uh, talking about it more or you have any questions or want to figure out how to get it because you can't figure that out so uh, those are two ways that are easy access to me there you All go, there you go. So
4: the book, love one another? Question mark.
6: (laughs) And we will be right
4: back on the Pirate Punk Podcast.